All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we have used this verse every week. We said that the way that we are transformed, the way that we experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way that we experience the love of God is through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we are transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus as we respond on a daily basis to the working and leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Last week, we looked in John chapter 14. We saw that Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit was our helper, right? He's not the doer. He's the what? And he will help us do the things Jesus has called us to do. And if we'll do the works that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will put his super on top of our natural and we'll see the supernatural works of God come to pass as God will work through us accomplishing his good pleasure, his good plan, and his will in our lives. So let's look back today in John chapter 14. And I shared with you last week that one of the things I've loved about this study that I did not anticipate was that we've literally every week have just been looking at the words of Jesus. We've allowed Jesus Christ to define and describe the Holy Spirit and his work and his ministry in our lives. And it's been a great journey. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. So the Bible says this. Jesus is speaking, John 14. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So let's dive into this thought today. So we said the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is our helper. The word literally has three unique meanings. In the Greek, it can be interpreted as one who helps, and we talked about that last week. It's also interpreted one who intercedes. We're going to talk about the intercession of the Holy Spirit today. And it also speaks of one who comforts. And we're going to look next Sunday at how the Holy Spirit helps us through the comfort of God that he brings into our lives. So look at that next point. So the Holy Spirit helps us through intercession because the Holy Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. He prays the will of God over our lives. So the first way the Holy Spirit helps us is he helps us through intercession. And that is that he prays for us with groanings, the Bible says, that cannot be uttered with words. And he prays according to the will of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Listen to what the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit helps. There it is. What does he do? He, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. That word weakness means a shortcoming. It means an area of lack. It can mean sickness or disease. It can be mental, physical, or spiritual shortcoming. But here's the revelation. The Holy Spirit, who is the helper, helps us in shortcomings or weaknesses in our life. How many of you recognize today that if you're honest with yourself, we all have strengths and we all have 
weaknesses. Isn't it good to know that God has sent the Holy Spirit to help us in our weaknesses? In those areas of my life where I'm weak, guess what? He's strong. In those areas of my life where I'm lacking, guess what? He is sufficient to meet every single need. And so the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And then the Apostle Paul gives us one specific area of weakness. Look what he says. He says, for example... We don't know what God wants us to pray for. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers. Who does He plead for? Believers, us believers, right? In harmony with God's own will. So let's talk about what Paul said here. He said, for example, one of the weaknesses that we have is that we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Now that's important. That's a great revelation because I want you to hear this. The purpose of prayer is not for God to do your will. The purpose of prayer is for you to do God's will. And the Bible says one of the weaknesses we have is we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Why? Because the heartbeat of prayer is not me getting God to do my will. It's me getting an alignment so that God's will can be done through me. And if you don't understand that, you're going to be constantly frustrated and angry with God. As a matter of fact, if you mix that up, think about it for just a second. If the purpose of prayer is for God to do our will then we're the master and God's the servant. How many of you know you're not the master? How many of you know he's the Lord and we're the servants? He's the father and we're the sons and daughters. He's in charge and we're not. Come on, somebody. And if you get that confused, what happens is many Christians get angry at God. They walk away from God. They walk away from the church. They live in spiritual frustration and anger because they think God has failed them because God didn't do their will. But that is not the purpose of prayer. God is the master. We are the servants, not the other way around. Prayer is not a magic bottle that we rub to get genie God to do what we want him to do. If you want to use that analogy, then God's holding the bottle and we're the genie. Come on, somebody. Our job is to do his will, not him do our will. And so Paul says one of the greatest areas of weakness we have is that we just don't know what God wants us to pray for. We don't know the will of God or the purpose of God in specific areas of our life. And how many of you can agree with that, that sometimes life is confusing? And sometimes it's not always black and white, black and white, black and white. I wish it was always black and white. But I'll be honest with you. I look at life and I deal as a pastor, Kelly and I, when we deal with people who are struggling in their marriages and struggling in their families and struggling financially, you know what? There's a whole lot of gray. There's a whole lot of areas where it's just not real clear, where it's just not real easy. Yeah, there's some things, sin is sin and righteousness is righteousness. But I'm telling you, things are moving around. There's a lot of moving pieces to our lives. There's a lot of moving pieces to the problems and challenges that we face. And many times, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what the will of God is in this circumstance and situation. So here's the good news. We have a helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit's job is that he intercedes for us. He prays for us in our weakness according to the will of God. 
And the Bible says that his groanings and his utterances cannot be spoken with words. What we're going to see is I just want to call that spirit-to-spirit prayer. The Holy Spirit, who is a spirit, prays to God the Father. Isn't that what verse 27 says? Look what it says. And the Father who knows the hearts, knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Holy Spirit is praying to the Father according to the will of God for our lives with groanings that cannot be uttered. This is a spirit, God the Spirit, praying to God the Father. How many know God the Father is a spirit? John chapter 4, Jesus told us that. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth. Why? Because God is spirit. God the Father is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. So the Holy Spirit, spirit to spirit, prays and intercedes for us. And as I was praying through this and studying this, the Lord just began to show me. He said, Keith, it is Holy Spirit inter, it is Holy Spirit uh, intercession that explains divine connections in our lives. Think about this. How many times have you been in the right place at the right time to meet the right person that opened the right door for God to do something supernatural in your life? I mean, think about it. how many times has that happened? You were just in the right place at the right time, met the right person with a divine connection that opened a door into your life. And all of a sudden, you're walking in things you could have never walked in before if there had not been a divine connection at the right moment, at the right time with the right person. I was thinking about that, thinking about our lives. Many of you know Kelly's story. She battled 10 years of severe depression. And I was thinking about how that, how that when God healed her and delivered her, a 10-year battle of severe depression ended in three days when we ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, or not Atlanta, Georgia, but in Georgia at Crawford and Dorothy Riley's house and how that God healed her, delivered her, and set her free in three days. And we were talking through that. After a 10-year battle of severe depression, all of a sudden Phil Baker, who was one of the elders in our church, had been with us through that whole time. All of a sudden, Phil Baker's daughter moves to Tennessee, gets involved in a ministry in Tennessee she'd never been involved with before. And before we know it, Phil connects us with his daughter in Tennessee who connects us with a ministry that takes us to Georgia where Kelly gets healed and delivered. And then I begin to think about Brother Curtis. Many of you guys know Brother Curtis. Curtis, wave at everybody right there. Right there, yes. Brother Curtis, y'all give him a shout. There you go. I began to think about Brother Curtis, and somewhere around that time, somewhere within a couple years, I'm not sure, Curtis could probably tell you, Kelly could probably tell you, but I'm up here preaching, so I'll tell you. So, so somewhere around that time, uh, Brother Curtis, before he was on staff with the church as our administrative pastor, he was working for the government. He worked out on Redstone Arsenal, and he traveled a lot. And Brother Curtis got on a plane and sat next to a lady reading a Joel Osteen book. And it was back in the day when Joel Osteen had just took over the church for his father. Whether you like him or don't like him, that's irrelevant to our story. But Joel Osteen had just released his first book. Curtis gets on a plane next to a lady. She opens this Joel Osteen book, and Brother Curtis strikes up a conversation with her. Out of that conversation, we build a relationship with some folks at Joel Osteen's church. A year later, Curtis and I get invited to go to Katy, Texas to be a part of a leadership conference. We get out at Katy, Texas. We meet a guy named Larry Stockstill. From that connection with Larry Stockstill, we end up going the next year to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to go through what they called an encounter and at that encounter, I met Brother Rod, who became our spiritual father, who a month later came to Arab, Alabama, helped us do our first encounter. And then after that first encounter, we began to recognize we can take the ministry that Kelly received in Atlanta, Georgia, and we can take the encounter ministry that we received in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We can mix it together. And now 47 encounters, 1,600 people, late people later, people have experienced freedom and life in Christ. 
because of being in the right place at the right time at the right moment to make a divine connection so that God could do something we could never plan. That is the intercession of the Holy Spirit. He helps us in our weakness. Brother Curtis, I told 8 o'clock service this, Brother Curtis is one of the smartest men I know, but he's not that smart. He's not that smart. He's smart, but he's not that smart. That was orchestrated by the intercessory prayers of the Holy Spirit, who seeing our weakness, we not knowing what we fully should pray for, desire, or needed to do, God in his grace and in his mercy, through the intercession of the Holy Spirit, interceded according to the will of God on our behalf, on your behalf, so that we could be sitting here today because of divine connections that none of us were smart enough to orchestrate. And if you look at your life, I know that many of you can think of similar stories in your life where one person in the right place at the right time opened a door and God has done amazing things in your life and through your life because of divine connections. Look at that next point. So this spirit-to-spirit prayer, Holy Spirit praying to God the Father who is a spirit, this intercession, I want you to see this, releases... Not only these divine appointments, but it releases, I believe, angelic intervention on behalf of those who believe. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel in verse 12 has had an angelic visitation. An angel of the Lord has come to speak with him. And the angel says to him, verse 12, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray. Since when? What day? The first day, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This one scripture lets us know that there are angels and there are demons. There are There are angelic powers and there are principalities and powers of darkness that rule over regions and over nations to interfere with the work that God wants to do in your life. You wonder why you need to pray. You wonder why you need to intercede. You wonder why you need to stand in the gap because there is a spiritual battle raging. The angel told Daniel, from the first day you prayed, I came, but for 21 days you didn't get an answer. Why? Because there was war in the heavens. Angelic and demonic warfare happening in a realm, Daniel, that you could not see. And God, look at the next part of the verse. And the Lord, the Bible says, Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain to you and to your people in the future. Explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. So here's a, a statement I want to make. If Daniel's prayers release angelic visitation and intervention, then how much more does Holy Spirit prayer release angelic intervention on our lives? And again, as I was praying through this and thinking about this thought, let me give you just a couple of scriptures real quick, and I'm going to give you a couple examples. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, speaking of angels, says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? So who are angels sent to minister to? Those who will inherit salvation. That means they're sent to minister to born-again believers. To those who will inherit the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Look at Psalms 103, 19 through 21. It says, The Lord has made the heavens His throne, and from there He rules over everything. 
Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Look what the Bible says angels do. They carry out God's plans. They listen to God for his commands. They serve him and they do his will. What does the Holy Spirit pray for us when he prays for us? He prays for us according to the will of God. So guess what happens when we pray the will of God? When we pray the will of God, those prayers release angelic intervention. And Holy Spirit intervention and intercession on our behalf as he prays for us, his prayers release angelic intervention on our lives. And again, I just was thinking about this and praying about it. The Lord just reminded me. He said, Keith, think about how many times do you hear about somebody being in a wreck, a car accident? And we hear these little statements. If it would have been six inches over, they would have died. If the car would have been going five miles faster, it would have hit them right here and they would have died. If they had come off and hit that tree at just a little different angle, they would have died. Man, when that thing came through their car, it went right by their head one inch and they would have died. Let me tell you something. We're not lucky, we're blessed. And the fact that you and I have survived and that people that we love and care about have survived tells me two things. Number one, it tells me that somebody's been praying for them. And here's the good news. If you don't have somebody praying for you, the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. The prayers of intercession release angelic intervention. And all of us can probably look back, especially driving our cars. I'll never forget, Kelly and I were pastoring our first church. We were coming home one night after a Sunday night service. And we were driving along with our kids in the car. And a car pulled out in front of us. And it was literally like somebody picked our car up. We bounced, 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 and bounced right back. And before we knew it, we literally went around that car without hitting them. There is no explanation. I wish I could say I'm a NASCAR driver. But I'm not. <laughs> the angel of the Lord, God's angels, reached down and intervened on our behalf. I was thinking about accidents on the job, right? I worked construction most of my life. It is a miracle. Construction workers don't die every day. Have you ever seen some of the crazy things construction workers do? Crazy. I'm just telling you. I worked in a factory. I worked at Walmart Distribution. And there was a time, I remember I was throwing freight, and my ring got caught, and my hand slung. And I was that close to going into a conveyor belt that would have probably jerked the fingers off my hand. But God, that's angelic intervention. Then I was thinking about just even around our houses, guys. How many incidents around the house have been avoided by the grace of God. I mean, if you grew up like me, Papa Larry's not here this morning. Boy, well, I grew up with Papa Larry. It was not unusual to back the truck up, put a ladder in the back of the truck, climb to the very top of the ladder, put a chainsaw in your hand, and stand on your tiptoes to cut something. <laughs> that was a normal day around our house. It was a miracle we did not die. It was a miracle you did not die. Let's be honest, right? How many times have you went through things, come out on the other side of things, that ended up being nothing but that could have been something significant in your life? Angelic intervention through the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Praying 
for us in our weakness. And let me just add, praying for us in our foolishness to cover us and keep us. Amen. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. How about you? I'm so thankful that when nobody else is praying for me, he's praying for me. And that's not an excuse for us not to pray. It's just an encouragement to know that in those areas of weakness, there's somebody filling in the gap. His name is the Holy Spirit who prays for us according to the will of God. Now look at that next point. Because the Holy Spirit helps us through intercession by not just praying for us, but the Holy Spirit prays through us with what the Bible calls unknown tongues. This prayer language is kind of what we like to call it. This prayer language creates a direct connection with the Father. It releases the hidden things or mysterious things of God, and it personally strengthens believers. Now, maybe you know nothing about praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. Maybe what you know about it is scary and weird and crazy, and maybe you think it's of the devil. Well, today you're in the right place at the right time with the right person. Can I get an amen? Because this is what we're going to do today. We're going to read the Bible. And we're going to read the New Testament church letter, letter to the New Testament church from the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see that the gift of tongues and a prayer language or praying in the Spirit, however you want to call it, is not a weird thing. It's not a demonic thing. It's not this goofy thing. It's not a Sunday morning circus thing. It is a God thing that is intended to empower us, number one, to connect with the Father through prayer, number two, to release the hidden mysteries of God in the earth, and number three, to personally strengthen and build us up in our most holy faith. That's what the Bible says. So let's read some scripture together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. And we're going to skip around here. I hope you go home and read 1 Corinthians 12, and I hope you go home and read 1 Corinthians 14, and don't skip 1 Corinthians 13 which is in the middle that ties it all together, that says love is the highest goal. So without love, none of it matters anyway. Well, listen to what the Bible says. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. If you have the ability, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. So let me ask you a question. What do we call it when somebody talks to God? We call that prayer. What I'm doing right now is not prayer. I'm preaching and teaching the Word of God. I'm not praying. What I was doing down there during worship was worshiping and praying. And when I was praying, guess who I was talking to? And guess who I wasn't talking to? You. (laughs) That's right. So the Bible says, he who speaks in a tongue, look what it says, will be talking only to God. They're talking only to God. I'm not talking to man. I'm talking to who? We call that what? So this is a prayer language. That's why we call it that. It is a prayer language because if you speak in tongues, you are praying to God. Now listen to what else he says. He says, since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. That's why the Bible says, I'm not going to read the Scripture. You can go home and read it. That's why the Bible says that when we gather together in worship, that no one should speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. Why? Because everything that's done in corporate worship is intended for corporate edification everything that's done in corporate worship is intended for corporate edification I pray in tongues every Sunday in church but you never hear me why because I'm not talking to you 
Every Sunday, I pray in tongues in church right there on that front row. But you never hear me. You know why? Because I'm not talking to you. Why? Because if there is a message in tongues, it has to be interpreted. Other than that, Paul says, keep your mouth shut. I don't know if that's King James, but it's close. (laughs) So it is for personal edification. Our prayer language is a personal prayer language that enables us to connect with God. Because when I speak in tongues, the Bible says I'm speaking to God. So there's a direct connect that happens as I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. He says, no one will understand it. You will be speaking. Look at that again. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. Who's going to be speaking? You are. So when you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit does not speak for you. The Holy Spirit speaks through you. Remember, He's the helper, not the doer. The Holy Spirit does not take control of your tongue and say, la, 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 la. That wasn't tongues, by the way. The Holy Spirit empowers you. Look what it says. You will be speaking by the what? Power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers me to speak in an unknown tongue. It's actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. Romans chapter 12 gives us the gifts of the Father. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us the gifts of Jesus because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all gave gifts to men specifically for the edification and work of the ministry of the local church. And so all of a sudden we recognize the Holy Spirit says he will will give me a gift and he will then empower me to speak in this unknown tongue, this prayer language where I can talk to God, but I will be speaking mysteries. I'm going to explain that mystery part in just a minute. Let's read on. Verse 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So a prophetic word is a corporate word, or sometimes we know in our four corners it's an individual word that goes forth to be spoken, and that prophetic word is for somebody. So it's not spoken in unknown tongue. It's spoken with our understanding. For us, it would be redneck English. Amen. So let me, let me just say this to you. Let me, let me share what I want to share real quick. I wrote this down from the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit prays through us, listen to this. Our words have creative power. You know what the Bible says about God's words? The Bible says God's words are creative power. In the beginning, God said, right? God said, let there be. God said, let there be. God said, let there be. And every time God spoke, something was manifested. The, the, the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel tell us that God said that whatever I speak with my mouth, I will perform with my hand. God's word always precedes his power. God's word is power, by the way. God's word releases power, and God's hand fulfills the word that he has spoken. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that no language is without significance. And that you and I have been given a heavenly language, if you would, a unknown tongue that we can talk to the Father. And here's what's happened. God's Word has creative power. But you know what the Bible says about my words and your words? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that death and life are in the power of your tongue. Your words have power to create death and life. Your words can kill. Your words can bring death to things, and your words can bring life to things. There is creative power also in your tongue. You're not God, but you are created in the image and likeness of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
And your words have creative power. So when we pray in the Spirit, what is happening is the Bible says we are speaking mysteries. And that is twofold. It's mysterious. It's a mystery because it's not understandable by human ears. It's not, we're not speaking in that moment a known language. But what we are doing is we're speaking the hidden things of God. And once you say something, your words give life to something. Your words give life to something. And here's what God does through our prayer language. He allows us to speak forth the hidden things of God. There are things that God desires for us. There are things that God wants to do in us and through us that many times we don't intellectually understand the work that God wants to do. So through the Spirit, He empowers us to pray, and we speak the mysteries of God, the hidden things of God, and we begin to release through an through a unknown tongue the words of the Lord to accomplish the will of God in our lives. So our prayer language releases the power of God to begin to accomplish things in the earth. Now, let me just pause right here and say quickly, if that freaks you out or that scares you or you're not interested in it, that's 100% okay. You can sit on the shelf and you can ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? God is a gentleman. And how many you know that gifts have to be received? Salvation is a gift, right? We're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. How many of you know God doesn't make people get saved? They have to receive willingly the gift of salvation in order to operate in it and receive the benefits of it. If the gift of tongues scares you, that's okay. Put it on a shelf. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do with it. But understand that he's not going to make you receive something you don't want. But hopefully you're going to take some of the teaching you're hearing today, you're going to go home and read your Bible, and you're going to ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do with this gift? And do I need this gift in operation in my life? Because I believe that we do. And here's why. It connects us to the Father. There's a divine connection. Because when you pray in the Spirit, you always pray the will of God. You speak mysteries. Your words become a prophetic voice. Your prayer becomes a prophetic declaration releasing the will of God into your life. And number three, it personally edifies and builds you up. It strengthens you. Look what the Bible says in verse 4 again. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. It's the only gift of the Holy Spirit that, pers- that, that strategically says it brings personal edification and builds you up. Jude says this. I'm going to scroll down here and read Jude chapter 1 verse 20. It says, But you, beloved brethren, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So Jude says that one of the ways we build ourselves up in our holy faith is by praying in the Spirit. You know what happens when you pray in the Spirit? Number one, it strengthens you personally. Number two, it builds up your faith so you can do the things that God has called you to do. So, again, Pray about it, think about it, ask God what he wants you to do with it. But I want to encourage you, this is a vital part of New Testament Christianity. Now, I'm going to read one more scripture out of Corinthians. Verse 14 and 15, two more scriptures. Paul says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? Look what he says. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So I want you to listen to this. Praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit is not a substitute for praying with your understanding. 
you still need to pray with your understanding. We pray in the Spirit when we have areas that we don't understand or just so we want to build up our holy faith or we want to pray the will of God or the Word of God over our lives. But we want to pray also with our understanding. We need to pray because every time God gives you a revelation, it gives you a resource and a tool in order to go to God in prayer. Because again, prayer is not about getting God to do your will. Prayer is about you and I doing God's will. And so all of a sudden, as we begin to pray, God speaks to us, shows us things. How many of you know God's Word reveals His will? Yesterday, we had corporate prayer. We put out a prayer focus every month. We've got five days of prayer, Monday through Friday, where we have a point of prayer, a focus point of prayer every day for every, every day of the month for every month. And we reset that at the beginning of the month. And the reason we do that is because we want to bring united prayer in the body of Christ. But the thing we do every time we create that prayer point and prayer focus is we always start out with a word. We pray the word. We pray the Word. Why? Because God's Word is God's will. And when we understand what God says in His Word, now I understand how to pray. And now I can intercede with my understanding and I can intercede through the Spirit. Does all that make sense? Amen. Y'all still good? Glad you come to church today. All right, look at that next point. The Holy Spirit helps us through intercession because the Holy Spirit enables us to enter into heavenly courts where we can stand before God, receive his mercy, find his grace, and break the strongholds of the enemy. How many of you understand that every time you receive the mercy and grace of God, something comes off of you? The mercy and grace of God breaks the strongholds of the enemy off your life, and the mercy and grace of God empowers you and enables you to walk in the fullness of life that God has for you. And so the Holy Spirit prays for us, the Holy Spirit prays through us, and then the Holy Spirit enables us to enter into that heavenly realm and come before God to receive the mercy and grace that we need to not only break the strongholds off our lives, but to intercede for the lives of other people. So look at the scripture with me out of the book of Romans, excuse me, book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So Jesus the Son of God, who is our great high priest, the Bible says, has entered where? Heaven. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. That's an awesome thought. And the Lord showed me something I've never seen before. Romans says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, but Hebrews says that Jesus understands our weaknesses. And the Bible says of Jesus as our great high priest that he forever lives to intercede for each and every one of us. So think about this. We have, we have two divine intercessors. We have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us in our weaknesses, in those areas of shortcoming in our life. But we also have Jesus who intercedes for us. And Jesus who is fully God and fully man not only, under, not only sees our weaknesses, here's a great revelation, he understands it. He understands what it means to be tempted in the flesh. He understands what it is to be tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He understands our weaknesses because he faced all of them. The good news, you're never going to face anything that Jesus did not face. That temptation that comes against us. He was faced with all those temptations, yet without sin. So he is a faithful high priest who understands our weaknesses. 
Isn't it great when you're going through something to have somebody that's went through something similar to walk through it with you? I mean, it's one thing for me to have empathy and compassion for you when I've never done what you've done or been where you've been. But when somebody else says, man, I've been there and I've done that, Man, all of a sudden, there's a whole nother level of comfort. There's a whole nother level of intercession. There's a whole nother level of something powerful that happens in your life because that person has been where you've been. And here's the good news. It's great to know they've been where you've been and they didn't fall in sin. They actually overcame the trial, the tribulation. They overcame the grief, the sorrow, the loss. They overcame the problem and the struggle. And that's Jesus. He understands our weakness, and he intercedes for us as a faithful high priest. Now look at that last verse, verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Where's the throne of our gracious God? Well, according to Psalms that we read this morning, it's in heaven. And Jesus is where at? He's in heaven. So God the Father and God the Son are in heaven. And God is seated on the throne. The creator and the judge of all the earth is seated on his heavenly throne. And the Bible says because of Jesus, we can now come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. How do we do that? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to enter into that heavenly realm. I've never been to heaven, but my spirit man has. I've never been to heaven, but the Holy Spirit goes there for me on a regular basis. Every time I pray, every time I invoke the name of Jesus, every time I speak the word of God, every time I pray the will of God, the Holy Spirit enters in on my behalf. He is our intercessor. That word is also translated advocate, our mediator, our go-between. He's the one that stands in the gap. Jesus is the ultimate mediator, but the Holy Spirit comes in as an advocate for me in you and we get to enter in the presence of God because the Holy Spirit goes for us into that place and we get to enter into that place by the Spirit that's a powerful thought that you can come before the King of Glory that you can enter in before the Creator and the Judge of all the earth and there before the throne you can find mercy what does mercy do mercy covers our sin and our shortcomings Mercy keeps us from what we deserve. We all deserve death and judgment. But the mercy of God keeps us. His blood covers us. And then we can find the grace of God that empowers us to live the life he's called us to live. And all that happens through the Holy Spirit. So look at that last point. So we pray to the Father through the Son, Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you talk about this stuff, people say, well, Pastor Keith, who, who are we supposed to be praying to? Well, it's really easy. You pray the Father. Jesus taught us that. This is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pray to the Father through the Son. Jesus made the way. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Jesus said it's through, the Bible says it through the veil of his flesh, we enter in to that holy place. We pray to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. It's in the Spirit that we go through the Son to the very presence of God. And I want you to see this simple thought right here. Prayer is one of the most transformational elements of our Christian life. 
The Holy Spirit sets us free, think about this, from religious ritual and launches us into life-giving communion with God the Father. Prayer is not a religious ritual. Prayer is life-giving communion. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we experience that. It's through the Holy Spirit that we get out of a religious ritual of just saying the right words. And we step into a place of intimate communion with God because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives. How powerful that is. How powerful that is. And there is nothing, there is, there is, there is nothing more transformational than your prayer life with God. I love this scripture in Luke chapter 9. Speaking of Jesus, it's called, this is Jesus' uh, account. The Bible calls it the Mount of Transfiguration, and you'll understand why. It says, and as he was praying, his appearance, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Now, don't miss the first part of that, that statement. As he was what? He was transformed. As he was praying, he was transformed. There's something transformational about prayer. And this is what I love about the power of prayer. Prayer doesn't just transform me. Prayer transforms our world. Prayer changes everything. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, says, God does nothing on earth except in answer to prayer. Prayer is the vehicle through which God accomplishes His will on earth in the lives of men. And we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. Remember, we are laborers together with God. As He prays for us, as He prays through us, and He he enables us to pray on our own to come before the Father and see lives changed. And let me tell you how I know prayer is so important. I know prayer is so important because the moment you decide to pray, every distracting thought you could ever think will enter your mind. Everything that you've got to do today, tomorrow, and for the next 25 years will pop into your head the moment you start to pray. The moment you say, I'm going to spend a few minutes with God in prayer, and all of a sudden you start thinking of that list of to-do things. i got to do this, 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 i got to do this. Oh, i got to handle that. i got to return that email. i got to follow up with that. Oh, i got this to do. i got that to do. You know how I know prayer is so important? It's so important because the devil works overtime to distract you from prayer. Two hundred people will show up on Sunday morning to worship God and hear the Word of God. Thirteen people showed up yesterday to pray. 200 people on Sunday morning to worship and hear the word, 13 people to pray. And that was a big, big attendance yesterday, by the way. You know why? Because the devil will do anything to distract you from praying. The power of individual prayer and the power of corporate prayer has not been tapped into by the local church. Liberty Church has failed to grab hold of what really is available to us through not just individual but corporate prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you want to see your prayer life radically change, embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Recognize He's praying for you. Recognize He wants to pray through you. And recognize that He enables you to enter into the very presence of God and stand in the courts of heaven. Because every battle that's won here has to first be won there. That's where we win. And that's where we overcome. Amen? I want you just to bow your heads this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come.
If you're here this morning and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, let me give you some good news. Here's the good news. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's praying for you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit wants to pray through you. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit enables you to pray. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're a born-again believer, and maybe you realize something this morning. Maybe you recognize the Holy Spirit's praying for you, and maybe you recognize the Holy Spirit has empowered you to pray, but maybe you realize this morning that you've not yet tapped into that second element where the Holy Spirit prays through you, through that prayer language. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want that. I want to receive that gift of tongues. I want to receive that gift where I can begin to pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit can help me to pray and He can pray through me and I can see the power of God manifested through that element of intimate prayer. And if that's you, I want to just invite you right now. Our prayer teams are here. They would love to pray with you this morning to receive your prayer language. So if that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip out. I, I want to receive my prayer language this morning. I want to pray in the Spirit, Pastor Keith. This is your opportunity just to come, just to slip up and come to one of our couples up here and each and every one of them will be honored to pray with you. Because here's the good news, all we got to do is ask. God's not greedy and stingy. He is loving and gracious. And if you recognize, man, I'm missing out on an element of prayer that I need to tap into, I would love to see you walk in something today you've never walked in before. So it's available to you today. Whosoever will, Jesus said, can come. Maybe you're here today and maybe you just realize Man, there's some untapped power of prayer in your life and you haven't been tapping into it. Maybe you just want to come and kneel on the altar today. Maybe you want to begin to do some warfare today. Maybe you want to begin to intercede for some people in your life. Maybe there's some things going on in your life and you just, you know that what you need more than anything is for God to show up. God, we need you to show up in this situation. Maybe you just want to come and kneel on the altar. Maybe you want to come and one of our prayer members would love to pray with you this morning in whatever way. So the altar's open right now. You can come. The last thing I want to do today is if you're here this morning and you're not a born-again believer, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that work of the Holy Spirit that we talked about this morning is not happening in your life. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, in the life of an unbeliever is doing the work of conviction. And that is that he's convicting your heart that you need Jesus, that you need him, that you're not saved, that you're not a Christian, that you're not born again. And the Lord is calling you. He's calling you right now. And you know that you know that you know that you need to be saved. Maybe you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. But today is my day. I want to be born again. If that's you today and you want to accept the gift of salvation, Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a holy moment right now. If you're here and you want to accept that gift of salvation, I want you just to stand to your feet. I want you to just type in that chat box, Pastor Keith, I want to be saved. If you're here this morning, you've never been born again. You can be born again today. And you can accept Christ. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet. A simple act of faith. A simple act of faith. That says, today I want to receive that gift. We're going to pray that prayer. For those of you that may be watching online, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Keith, that's me. I'd love to pray with you right now. If that's you, just stand up. Just a simple act of faith that says, today I want to be born again. I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to pray this prayer with me out loud. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father,
I believe. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. Amen. This morning, we love you. We love you guys watching us online today. We're going to let these continue to pray in the altar. We love you so much. We're so thankful that you're here today. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for our encounter, you can stop by the information do that today. Uh, if you want to stay today for our connection track, step one, take that first step in being a part of our Liberty Church family. Uh, that'll be happening immediately after service in the cafe, and we'd love for you to join us there. God bless you today. You're dismissed. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.